morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, the show all about finding and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I'm Dr. Debbie Miner, Professor and Vice Chair of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I'm very pleased today to have back with us Natalie Hutto from the UMC Office of Development. So today we're going to be talking about all of the ways to ease your mind about finances. So get your questions ready. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Give any, give us any comments, ideas, uh, stories to tell us by calling one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email at healthy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit from MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with you right after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump is claiming the election is being rigged in favor of his opponent, Democrat candidate Hillary Clinton. NPR's Scott Horsley has more. Republicans, including House Speaker Paul Ryan and Donald Trump's running mate Mike Pence, have tried to pour cold water on the idea of a rigged election. But Trump himself keeps fanning the flames. At 5.30 this morning, Trump tweeted, quote, Of course there is large-scale voter fraud happening on and before Election Day. Why do Republican leaders deny what's going on? So naive. NPR Scott Horsley. Bill Clinton is campaigning in New Hampshire on behalf of his wife today. The former president is expected to urge voters to support Hillary Clinton's agenda to build an economy that works for everyone, not just those at the top. Today's rally will be held on the campus of Dartmouth College. For the second time in a week, a federal judge has criticized Florida officials for rules he says unfairly restrict the right to vote. NPR's Greg Allen reports Judge Mark Walker has ordered the state to change the way it handles absentee ballots with mismatched signatures. Under Florida law, those who neglect to sign their mail-in absentee ballots are notified and given a chance to fix the problem before Election Day. Voters whose signatures are rejected because they don't match the one on voter registration forms don't have that opportunity. Their ballots are thrown out. U.S. District Judge Mark Walker says it's a double standard that's unconstitutional. Florida, he writes, has disenfranchised thousands of voters, arguably for no reason other than they have poor handwriting or their handwriting has changed over time. Walker, who was appointed to the federal court by President Obama, ordered Florida Secretary of State Ken Detzner to require election supervisors to notify voters when their signatures are rejected and allow them to submit affidavits before Election Day to ensure their votes will be counted. Greg Allen, NPR News, Miami. The Iraqi military has begun a major offensive to push Islamic State militants from the city of Mosul. NPR's Alice Fordham reports from Erbil. Forces from the Iraqi army south of the city and Kurdish Peshmerga to the north and east have begun moving toward Mosul. The territory they need to retake before reaching Mosul itself is mostly abandoned villages, but ISIS is present in the area. A Kurdish officer and Iraqi army officers say they are now fighting resistance from the extremists. Mosul is the largest city held by ISIS. It had a population of more than 2 million before it fell to them more than two years ago. Maybe a million people still live in Mosul, and there are fears many civilians will be caught up in the fighting. Alice Fordham, NPR News, Erbil, Northern Iraq. Stocks are trading lower on Wall Street at this hour. The Dow is down 23 points at 18,115. The Nasdaq Composite down a fraction of a point. The S&P 500 down a point. This is NPR News. 
voters in the tiny Balkan state of Montenegro turned out in record numbers. It's been an election marred by allegations of hacking of opposition party websites and polling station violence. NPR Sylvia Poggioli reports the Socialist Party of the long-ruling prime minister got the most votes, but not enough to secure a majority. The vote was seen as a choice between closer ties with NATO or with Russia, but a large number of voters showed they do not want to join the Western alliance. With 41 percent of the votes, Prime Minister Milo Djukanovic said he would seek a coalition with smaller parties representing ethnic minorities. Djukanovic, in power for 25 years, began his political career as an ally of Serbian strongman Slobodan Milosevic. He gradually embraced the West, at the same time encouraging Russian investments in his small country on the Mediterranean coast. He was named a suspect in an Italian cigarette trafficking probe in 2003, but charges were dropped thanks to his diplomatic immunity. Silvia Poggioli, NPR News, Pristina, Kosovo. At least 25 people are dead after two passenger buses collided head-on in central Pakistan. Officials say another 69 were injured. Authorities say the accident occurred today on a dangerous curve and speed may have been the cause. At least 24 people are dead and four others are missing after heavy rains triggered floods in central Vietnam. Officials say a typhoon is approaching after striking the Philippines. Heavy rains of up to three feet submerged 125,000 homes in Hanoi. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include TIAA. Whether it's investing, advice, banking, or retirement, TIAA is dedicated to helping those who teach, heal, and serve others achieve a lifetime of financial well-being. Learn more at TIAA.org. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think, Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner, and I'm here today with Ansley Butcher, our new pharmacy expert that's joined us for the first time today. Welcome, Ansley. And we've got back with us Natalie Hutto from the University of Mississippi Medical Center Office of Development. So Natalie's been with us before, and we've we've taken your questions about all kinds of things, I'll say, to help ease your mind about finances. So I'd like to start out today, Natalie, with um, highlighting a couple of things, because we just had Dr. Patel from the Mind Center with us. And lo and behold, right after that, I get this thing in the mail at home about this brawn and bubbles run for the brain that's coming up. And it looks like a lot of fun. It's on Thursday, November the 3rd, that evening out in uh, Ridgeland. And it's a fundraiser for the Mind Center, a 5K. And uh, I think what's really exciting about that is that um, they've approved a car tag yes. for the Mind Center. Oh, yes. And that's really kicking yes. off that event. Mm-hmm. And um, 
over 50, a little bit over 50% of the proceeds from purchasing one of those car tags will go to benefit the Mind Center um, and maybe help us find, you know, ways to um, care for those with dementia and Alzheimer's and maybe one day find a cure. Well, I think it's, so according to this, I think it's, they've got a website that you can sign up. I went ahead and signed up. Now, you know, the car tag thing is just troublesome for me. I just hate to admit it. But (laughs) look, I have got my Mississippi Toughs kids car tag, my husband and I both do, and we are committed to that eternally. And so I don't think you can have more than one car tag. Can you? (laughs) (laughs) See, I need my MPB car tag, and I need my mind center, and I need my children's hospital car tag. So I don't think you could have more than one car tag, though. I don't think so. But there's some people that do have been affected by a family member or someone they love with dementia and Alzheimer's, and they understand the importance of us trying to find ways to find a cure, to find ways to help their family members. And so this is just a way for them to give back and support a cause that they're passionate about, just like you do with yours. I so, know, I know. Um, my, it's my thing is I have, I have too many desires, but we can all <laughs> give our money to each of those. Yes, we can give our money yes. and our time, of course, to yes. each of those causes, and, and but we can just have one yes. car tag. The good thing about <laughs> the car tag, though, is it also will help spread awareness. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I love it. I love I love the mission of car tags. I think everybody should have their own support that whatever calls or, or one of their causes with the car tag. So I look forward to being out here for this. So it's Brown and Bubbles Run for the Brain. And it is on a Thursday evening, November the 3rd. It starts at 530. And then it says the after party, which is Bubbles. <laughs> Bubbles and live music starts at 6. So I encourage you to, to join us. It's umc.edu slash mind, M-I-N-D, run. So this, this looks like a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And then I'll have to go on and mention, too, since we're talking about UMC development, too, here. And you are you are um, affiliated with UMC and our development office. We've got the Sanderson Farm event coming up. Now, I plan on being out there for that, too. <laughs> I will be, too. Um, yeah, we're very excited about that. We um, can't thank Sanderson Farms Championship and Century Charities enough for um, sponsoring and hosting this golf tournament. All the proceeds go to benefit Friends of Children's Hospital. And Friends of Children's Hospital, um, they're a nonprofit organization that benefits Batson's Children's Hospital. Um, and so it's really a great thing what they're doing for the children of Mississippi. And so we encourage everybody to go out there. It is, um, It starts for the uh, general public Wednesday, October 26th. The gates open and goes through Sunday. Um, general admission, you can get tickets online at sandersonfarmchampionship.com. And you can purchase general admission tickets for Wednesday, Thursday, different packages out there ranging from $25 to $50. Um, and we hope you'll come out there and watch some good golf and support the children of Mississippi. Yes, yes. Definitely plan on being there. I think the weather's going to be a little bit cooler. And I will say, too, I'll give a shout-out. Jonathan Randolph will be one of the players in this golf tournament. So a lot of people remember Jonathan from playing golf at Jackson Prep here and then going on and being on the golf team at Ole Miss. And now he is on uh, the tour. I should remember the name of that kind of golf tour, but I don't. But I know I know we'll go and watch Jonathan play. <laughs> so he is our local boy out there that'll be playing in the Sanderson Farm Championship. So we're looking forward to that. So Natalie, you know, I always have a million and a half questions for you. 
because, you know, this is something finances and how you plan um, is something that comes up for everyone, whether you whether you have any money or you don't have any money. Probably it's even it's just as complex when you don't have any money, isn't it? It is. It really is. Um, and I'll kind of give you a little background on me just so you'll know what kind of where I'm coming from. Um, did my undergrad in accounting, got my master's in taxation, went to law school. Um, focused my career mostly on estate planning, family wealth planning, um, the probate process that a lot of us have to go through when someone dies. I've worked both in public accounting and practice law for several years before coming to the medical center. I'm currently the director of gift planning at the medical center, and I focus primarily on working with our donors, um, our faculty, alum, friends, grateful patients that want to find a way to give back to the medical center and what we're doing to support the state of Mississippi and a healthier state of Mississippi. So I try to help them find what works best with their personal goals and their financial plan and to see if there's some tax benefits that could also help them in the process of giving back to the hospital. So, um, yes, there's a lot to think about when it comes to your finances and whether or not you have a large estate or a small estate. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people say, well, I don't need a will or I don't need to plan because I don't I don't have anything. I think that's kind of the number one comment mm-hmm. that I hear. You know, I don't have anything. But if you have a bank account in your name or you own a house, you have something. And, or if you have a car tag, yeah, which or means you, you have a car. You have a car. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some... It, for you to have worked to acquire that asset in some way or to have money to put in a bank account. If you have a job, you've got a bank account to put your paycheck in. So you've got to, you need to be able to direct how do you want your assets to go? Who do you want to have that asset or what you have if something were to happen to you tomorrow? Um, And I think that's important. So I think the best tool though is for us to educate ourselves on kind of what's out there, you know, the worst way to learn is to have someone pass away and you have to figure out how to get access to their bank account to pay for the funeral. How are we going, you know, what happens to mom and daddy's house one day? Um, How does that work? What if we need to sell it? What if, you know, if they're struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's, what if we need to sell their home to help pay for their care? You know, you've got to have some basic knowledge and understanding and you can't just say, well, that's fine. That's not going to happen to me. It's all well, there's two sure things in life, and that's death and taxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> whether we like it or not, we're going to have to deal with it. So, you know, um, I think it's important for everybody to have a will. Not everybody. Uh, I think more people don't have a will than do have a will. Oh my goodness, really, really. Uh, uh. Um, well, let me give our phone number again before I get so involved in my question. So <laughs> since we do have the phone, our phone board open, let's uh, let's give some of our listeners a chance to call in. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 And I, I want to just say, too, you brought up such a wonderful point, because even if you don't have anything that you would perceive as being of significant value, you do probably have you may have a car you may have a bank account you may have enough money to cover funeral expenses but i think that that's the key is you want you want you want i, I would say you want to make it easier for those that are having to deal with these things for you and to take care of these things for you and how best you can enable them to be able to take care of things for you that's in right. such a way that you want it how you want it done right um 
you know, I always say the best thing you can do is communicate with your family members. First, tell them, you know, first thing to do in this process to really think about well, what do I have? What do I have? Okay, well, I've got a car. I've got a bank account. I've got a home or either I'm paying rent or I've got a safe deposit box where I keep, you know, heirlooms that I've inherited from my grandparents or something like that. Or, you know, um, what if there's the possibility that you will inherit your parents' home or um, uh, an aunt or an uncle is leaving you something? So there's the potential that you could have something tomorrow that you didn't have today. Mm -hmm. So the first thing to do is though really is to identify, well, what do I have? The second thing that I think a lot of people don't think about is how is this asset owned? What is the ownership? Is it in just my name? Is it in my name and my spouse's name? Is this, um, is the, is our family home listed in mine and my siblings name? So do we all own a fourth of something? If there's four of us, you know, um, and then to not only know who's on it, who are the owners of that, but then how, what do I want to happen to that? So there's a lot of things that have beneficiary designation forms on it. So let's say if you have a job and you've been contributing to a retirement plan through your job, um, you have an asset. You have a retirement asset, you know. Well, and, you know, I, I think about this just because they had all those announcements like with the fair because come by and look at the list to see if you have any unclaimed unclaimed funds or something right, like okay, that unclaimed property so that's uh, so that could be people that die that that didn't didn't right. leave any type of notification or or any type of distribution plan right nobody knew that they mm-hmm. had a bank account or that they had funds that were being withheld at a nursing home sometimes when you're in a nursing facility and they continue to take payments after you've died or whatever will they end up accumulating funds there's always there's always some time lapse between date of death and cutting off maybe a direct deposit mm-hmm. or draft or something like that. So let's say they're holding funds. Well, if no one knew that they, you know, how payments were being made to that facility or no one knew about this bank account, eventually it's the bank has a duty or whatever entity, you know, whether it be securities or anything, has the duty to turn those funds over to the state of Mississippi and they become property of the state. They do not call the they they're not they don't take the time and they're not going to it's not their job. It's not a bit like a bill collector trying to <laughs> right. search you down. <laughs> right. Yes. They're to find who are the next to kin, who are the heirs at law to send this money to. So it becomes your job. So I always encourage people check that. A- another thing that always pops up on there is people that paid uh, utility deposits mm-hmm. and things like that. I see it a lot with some people that had different rental properties and they paid these deposits in. Maybe they sold the property. Well, and then they moved or they didn't have the correct address with the utility company. Well, now they don't know where to send those deposits send back that to. Money. Mm-hmm. So they send it to the um, uh, state's unclaimed property. And so you check that list, you verify who it is, and then you have to go through the process to prove that you're the heir or the next to kin. Um, and that can be kind of complicated. It <laughs> is. It is. And it's it, it can be a headache, mm-hmm. especially um, I actually had somebody in my office this morning that um, their mother had a sibling who passed away. She was she was they were she was one of 10. Mm-hmm. So 10 siblings, they've all mm-hmm. predeceased uh, she was the last surviving sibling of her brother, so everybody had predeceased her. So she's the only surviving member of her siblings. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, the brother that died right before her left everything to her because he didn't have any children. He wasn't married at the time, so um, their parents had predeceased them. So he left everything to his sister. Well, um, 
she had a deed to the house that he left her, so she's done that. But she didn't think she had to go through probate for his will. He did have a will, but she said, well, I'm the only one here, you know, and I've already, the property's been deeded, so I don't need to go through probate. Well, it turns out they were going through the list of unclaimed property for the state of Mississippi, and there his name was. And he had money left in an account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's several thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, that's been sitting there. And so and because she didn't go through the probate process, she's got to identify, she's got to come up with death certificates oh, for yes. every one of the siblings. Mm-hmm. Some died in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm going to so, get back to that. Uh, let's, go to, let's go to Michael on the line. And I want to get back to that. Don't forget, though, because that probate thing I got a question about. Michael, good morning. Yes, hello. Thank you for uh, holding. Thank you. Uh, another surviving, uh, last surviving sibling situation here. Uh, so uh, I have, it's my, just my brother and I left, and, and we each have some assets. We own some together, and he owns some separately. And we want, we want to know um, how to legally plan uh, wisely for the fact that one of us might go into long-term care at some point. We're both in our 60s. Uh, and, uh, you know, we never know what someone's going to need. So we want to know how to plan for this property that we own together in Mississippi, and uh, we also own some separately. Well, I think... Mm, great question. Yeah, that is a very good question. Um, and I actually did a, a talk last week with, partnered with Trustmark, um, and they did kind of the piece promoting long-term care insurance and oh, talking about yes. kind of when to determine whether or not that's something you need to do and all. And... One of the things you first needed to to know is like the property that you own jointly, you know, really is kind of probably both sit down and do kind of an accounting of your assets and inventory, so to speak, listing and, you know, kind of get the approximate values of those assets and kind of see, you know, what's what's kind of the size of your estate. Um, That's kind of the starting point is what you have and how much it's worth. Um, Mm -hmm. And then to kind of decide, you know, what kind of assistance you would need in long term. You know, we have... um, Medicare is health insurance for um, a, a 65 and older. So, And then you've got Medicaid. Medicaid is a long-term care assistance for the indigent. So it's dependent. There are very specific nursing homes or nursing facilities that will, will accept Medicaid. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that ask me all the time. They say, well, I want to be eligible for Medicaid. Well, um, basically Medicaid, this is this is not exact, but... You're allowed to own a house, maybe a limited surrounding acreage around that, um, a vehicle, and then your monthly income is can be somewhere around maybe $1,200 a month. That number sometimes adjusts a little bit. At one time, it was $1,199 a month could be your monthly income stream. So, a percent um, of the, the poverty level. Right. And so any it amounts varies. above that or any assets above the uh, one home and a one vehicle they would become property of Medicaid to pay for your cares. You basically have to either spend those down. Um, a lot of people say, well, I want to plan to be, I want to be eligible for that. And they say, well, I want to transfer, give away some of my assets. Well, there's currently a five-year look-back rule. So what that means is you have to spend down your assets um, and make it five years or either transfer those assets to a tr- an irrevocable trust or some other type of vehicle where that is out of your name. It's not you know, you, you basically give up control of that asset. Mm-hmm. So I always say, you know, kind of figure out first though, do you, do you want to be in a facility that accepts Medicaid? If that's, a, if 
that's a facility you're okay with, then Medicaid planning is for you. If it's not, you know, and you would like some other type of, you know, if you'd want, a lot of people want to stay at home. They want to have yeah. sitters. They want to have somebody come into the home. They may just need some temporary assistance, you know. Right. Um, Medicaid's not going to provide that. Um, so long-term care insurance is an option. I always tell people to look at it somewhere around 60, 70. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's it's expensive. Well, it's like any insurance, you know, if you get homeowner's insurance and your home never burns, well, homeowner's insurance was very expensive. You it's, know? A, it's a wise investment. But it's a wise mm-hmm. investment, especially depending on what what is the type of care that you'd like. Whereas long-term care insurance, you know, it does allow you to have options. That's really what it gives you. Do you want to have someone come into the home? Do you want to go into an assisted living? It gives you an amount of money and does not tell you what type of facility or what type of care you it is approved um i ask a a follow-up question yeah go ahead uh for property that's owned together Mm -hmm. you know there's joint tenancy there's tenants in common and then there's uh tenants by the entirety if two people own property together can uh how does how does medicare uh, you know medicare lynn or anything deal with that do you do you have to split it are you wise to split it up before one or the other needs something as part of preparing for a medicare type uh, situation or how would they deal with the jointly owned property can they make the, the the family sell it to satisfy the needs of one of them for example they i'm going to hang up and listen on the radio for the rest of the answer thank you very okay. much okay thank, thank you for calling michael um they can um the it, ownership is a good question you brought up first of all i'll, I'll eliminate tenants tenancy by the entirety is only for married couples in the state of mississippi um it's not very widely used probably should be it asset offers some asset protection through through joint ownerships but it's only for married couples so um yours and your brother's property michael are probably owned joint tenants in common which means that you each own an undivided 50 percent interest in that so um that means 50 percent of it is in your portfolio or on your you know, asset listing and 50% on your brothers. If you own it joint with rights for survivorship, that means that um, your undivided interest is going to go directly to him at your death. It would all go to him. You wouldn't have to go through probate and vice versa. If he predeceased you, all of his interest in that would come directly to you. So that's the with rights of survivorship. Um, and that's just a way to eliminate probate um, at at the first to die. Um, so if it's joint tenants with common, then that's where you've got 50% that is an additional asset if you're trying to apply for Medicaid. So that may be something that, you know, you would either um, want to retitle or restructure that asset specifically if that is something you're looking to do is try to plan for Medicaid assistance. So um, these are very good questions. Very good um, questions. Anything? Mm. Yeah, I've got a couple add? more yeah. I want to add to that and then and get back. But we got to get take a quick break here. So we'd love to hear from any of our listeners with with uh, comments or questions that you may have or experiences that you'd like to share with us. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with you right after this break.
Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Today we're talking about things to think about to ease your mind about finances. So we've got Doc, doc I'm going to say doctor. You are a Juris doctor. That's correct. Right, but not doctor. Uh, well, <laughs> Natalie Hutto with us from the UMC Office of Development. And so we've been talking about different things. And um, during the break, Natalie and I were talking about uh, this long-term care disability. So I will say I'm at the age I think about that. <laughs> and I'm also at the age where we have parents that 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 need care and um I had not thought about this until just recently and and so since Michael had brought that up I know we had looked at long-term care um policies and they are expensive I mean there is no doubt about it they are expensive but if you look at what it costs I I see I see what goes out every month yeah um with parents needing long-term care, and they're expensive, but I think it's good, good, good insurance if you if you can afford it, and if you think that that that's a pathway to go down. and And I I, I will say that I, I know when I was first exploring this, a, a friend of mine had actually brought it up to me, and I know she wouldn't mention she wouldn't mind me saying this, but she she had purchased a long-term care policy, and looking at because she well at the time she was just thinking about as she got older and um she had a daughter and she knew that she didn't want her daughter to be responsible financially for taking care of her as she got older no other family members and so she purchased this and then uh, within a month of when she purchased it she found out she had cancer mm-hmm. and it turned out it was terminal cancer so she never used her long-term care policy. But one thing that I learned in exploring this, because I thought about that, well, why should I pay for this? I mean, what are the odds that you have cancer and die and don't even need it? But basically, it everything that you put in and that money then then went to her daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you lose it if you don't ever use it. So that well, to me, that would... there's different types of yeah, policies. I guess so that's, that's the kind that, I got. Yeah, there's but, different but that made me feel a lot better about putting that money into it is knowing that if something happened and I die in a car wreck tomorrow, at least, at least it does that benefit does go to someone yeah well and that's a certain kind of policies uh-huh. they're not all there are yeah. some that are just like a traditional like a term type a, a, thing. a traditional mm-hmm. long-term policy mm-hmm. would not it would work just like your car insurance your mm-hmm. homeowner's insurance typical insurance mm-hmm. you know or term life insurance policy yeah. so to speak yeah. but um you know that kind of policy that she had was good and that some mm-hmm. of that equity did come back out yes. you know but those are different policies yeah. and you you know talking to people that promote that but really the you know what i try to tell people about long-term care insurance is it 
it gives you options. It does. You know, and it really depends on what your goals are, what you, you know, what kind of care you'd want to know. Because the reality of it is we don't all live to, you know, we don't all get to retire at 65, live to 75 or 80 and die. Right. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Can't um, predict. <laughs> people are living longer and longer. You know, I, I know I was talking to a financial planner the other day. He said next door neighbor is 104 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, she has around the clock sitter care in mm-hmm. her home. You know, well, that's a luxury that she's able to have because she has long-term care insurance you know so um it's really kind of what what would you like what would you feel comfortable you know i mean different people's parents you know some people say i'm never going in a nursing home i don't that's not an option but the the reality is is that nowadays there's not a child that can stay that stays at home that can take care of their parents as they age it takes two income families now to raise a family to have you know to pay your bills, it just takes two incomes. You know, it's it's really it's a lot different world that we're in. People live longer. It costs more to live. They live longer. They work longer. Right. And then, yeah. And so, you know, when you put all those factors in, the reality is, is that most people do need long term care assistance. It's a reality that we didn't have to deal with even 10, 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and I think as kind of the baby boomers age, they're seeing it more with their parents living longer and they're the ones that are having to take care of them. And they're both working because at the same time, they're trying to educate children through college or now they're wanting to focus on trying to find ways to help educate their grandchildren. And now they're caring for an elderly parent as well. And if you can't, if you have to go to work to help, offset some of those medical deal expenses or some of the long-term care assistance that you're needing, then who's going to be there to care? They've got to go into a nursing facility or you've got to have a sitter or somebody to come in and make sure that they have three meals a day or that they're taking their medicine properly, you know. Bathing safely. Yeah, I think the last numbers that I've heard was, you know, um, nursing home assistance can be anywhere from living in a nursing home could cost anywhere annually from seventy five thousand to maybe one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. Mm. Seventy five thousand sounds very inexpensive to me. I've just looked at prices. I, I, <laughs> that's the very very low end. That's I, I very low. That's, being that low. That's a very low end. I'm you know, but you know, in home care, I think the going rate in the met, Metro Jackson area is somewhere between twelve fifteen dollars mm-hmm. an hour. It's over a hundred thousand a year. Right. <laughs> It, it and, is. and that's and that's yeah. if that's if you don't have anybody there on the weekends and right. you don't have anybody there 24 hours a day and yeah right when mm-hmm. you have people working 12 hour shifts around the clock for care you know then it gets more expensive and if you need somebody that's an LPN mm-hmm. or you need an mm-hmm. RN to come mm-hmm. in or somebody with yeah. some additional you know um, healthcare background then that's an Expertise. additional cost exactly. so you know it's mm-hmm. It, it gets it gets expensive. So you look at the policy and you say, well, the premiums cost me this, but the care costs me this. So I don't know anyone that actually has filed a claim on their long-term care insurance that said it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Well, let, let's go to John on the line. Uh, good morning, John. Hey. What question do you have for us? All right. The question I've got is, and I got in on the tail end of this uh, Medicaid uh, conversation, and I know there's a five-year look-back rule uh, as far as assets and whatnot. But my, and, but you brought up the irrevocable trust, which I'm familiar with. But it, let's just say if I did an irrevocable trust on assets now, uh, is there still a five-year look-back rule on that? 
Yes. So if you transferred your assets to an irrevocable trust today, so you put it in somebody, you name someone else that you trusted as a trustee, moved your assets over there, so you've Uh, given up control, and in let's say in five, in four years, you need, um, you would like to apply for Medicaid for long-term care assistance. Right. Um, Right. You got to make it one more year. You're not eligible. I got you. That's what I wanted to know. And the bad thing is, is they could change that tomorrow and make it a seven-year rule. And let's right, say you've made right. it four, you got to make it three more years. So right. it's kind of it's it's a gamble. Um, and then you've given up those assets. And you know, I have a lot of people sometimes say, "Well, I'm gonna put it to my transfer it into my kids' names." Then I've seen situations where the kids wouldn't give it back or wouldn't sell it or use it. <laughs> The money right. to help oh, pay for their care. Well, I mean, is that so, state or is that federal? Is you got to know your kids pretty well, then. It, you, you do. You, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other questions? That's it. I, that answered it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Mm, goodness. Yeah, you got to you got to know your kids pretty well, and and I guess some things too would be it, it, it wouldn't even be necessarily intent. They they well, think they're doing the very best well, thing. Well, there's they, some things you don't think about, you. like you know, if you have a child that's married, and you know. You, I hate to be like this, but you have to look at in-laws like creditors. They are potential creditors. And if you transfer assets into your child's name in order to try to, you know, provide, make yourself eligible for government assistance or Medicaid, so to speak, and then that child in year four is going through a divorce and it's in their name because you've tried, you said, well, if something happens to me, you know, I'd. I'd want oh, it to happen to them anyway. Uh, Mississippi, then it's now it's a mar- now it's of, a marital asset, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. now they're going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Now that's on their, you know, your their soon to be ex spouse could get, get that asset mm-hmm. or get half of that or get that money. However, it was working out in the division of their marital asset. So that's just something you don't think about at the time. It, yes, you know, it wasn't your child that did it, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. You know, it just was. One of those things you weren't expecting. So, you know, I think that's where I really, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't have enough to go see a lawyer. You know, well, there's some really good lawyers, especially around here that, you know, will do work for a flat fee. They'll charge you, tell you what your hourly rate is up front, that they do really good, efficient work. And it's affordable and it's a lot cheaper to do it right on the front end to have to clean it up on the back end. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't have a will, but I'm not going to go see a lawyer, you know? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can do wills. There's a lot of different ways you can transfer your assets. You can get somebody to do, you know, get a lawyer just to do a deed for you, not tell them why you're doing this, transfer that house over there to your child, you know, but if you, if you talk to them and spend another hundred dollars, just, you know, for a little time, I think you can get some good answers and maybe not do something like transfer the house over to your children and then they go through a divorce and now now they don't have the house and nor do you. So um <laughs> we'll get back to that. Uh we we need to take another quick break. So we'll uh would love to hear from you. Any questions that you may have, give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Today we're talking about easing your mind about finances with Natalie Hutto. So please join us right after this quick break.
This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. But NPR's election team wades through it all, so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Thomas and Friends are pulling into the station. Don't miss the opportunity to meet everyone's favorite number one blue engine and enjoy a special show and meet and greet event. Join Thomas as he arrives at the station for a fun-filled adventure and experience timeless life lessons, including discovery, friendship, and cooperation this October 29th at the Mississippi Agriculture and Forestry Museum from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. Register now for this free event at mpbonline.org. Boo! <laughs> You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner, and I'm here today with Ansley Butcher and Natalie Hutto. We're talking about finances and easing your mind, easing your mind about how to plan for the future and things to consider and and going forward to make sure that you plan best for yourself and and for those around you. So I, I've got a couple of questions about probate and things like that, Natalie. But I'm going to give Ansley a, a chance to answer a question from a from a younger person's perspective. So we're thinking about as we get older and all that. But from a younger person's perspective, what do you think about, Ansley? Okay, so I'm only 24. Next year I'll be, like, in the real world. I guess what are just some basic documents or things I need to start preparing for, just like estate planning and all that? Well, I think really the first thing you need to focus on is getting out and looking at retirement. When you have the first job, those are those are the things that you should really look at when evaluating a job. Yeah. Health insurance, retirement, things like that that will help you manage your finances in a more responsible and fiscal way. Um, and to also think about, you know, what are your long-term goals? Do you want to work the rest of your life or would you like to travel some? Would you like to eventually retire? And yeah. if that's the case, then, you know, even though you're 24, will be 25 next year, it's never too early to start planning for retirement or saving. That's the benefit of retirement is really trying to defer income and let it grow tax-free for the length of your career so that one day you can maintain, the goal is to try to maintain the standard of living that you have become accustomed to through your income stream. So when you're no longer able to keep earning money, you want to be able to have an income stream from your retirement assets. Okay. So the best thing that I can tell somebody young, I mean, I did it, you know, and I have no regrets, was just to start off, you know, you're already living on the very little as a student. Yeah, so for sure. Stay in that mindset. <laughs> stay in that financial mindset and you know, um uh, you don't you don't necessarily need a new car when you get out if you have a good car that's running, you know, that's money that you could 
save every month and put towards a down payment on a home or that you can pay off student loan debt, you know, focus on stuff like that. And then, but also, you know, even if you're just putting $25, $50 a month in a retirement, it becomes something, it just becomes part of your budget, just something you always do. And just like you're always paying your cell phone bill. Yes. (laughs) Don't have a choice. You know, put that Put, if you can put $100 on your cell phone bill every month, put $100 in your retirement account every month. Look at it like that. Okay. You know, yeah. And start saving up for retirement. You know, and I always tell people, you know, when you buy your first home, this was good advice that my dad gave me. I, you know, it, even though our parents say some things, sometimes we don't want to hear, it really, it really pays off. Yeah. But he said, you know, don't buy anything you can't afford today. <laughs> if you can't afford it today, just because you can afford it after you work for a year or two years doesn't mean that you can afford it. Absolutely. And the thing is, is life, it just throws you wrenches. I mean, as soon as you think that you've got a head that month, you got to get new tires and you've got you've got to get a windshield. And yeah. Hot got, water heater. Goes everything out. Yeah, <laughs> it does. So, you know, um, when you buy your first home, buy something you can afford on a 15 year note or a 20 year note. You know, not okay. everybody has to have a 30 year note. You yeah. know, that's some good advice. I mean. Um, I was able to purchase my first home on a 15-year note, but I bought what I could afford on a 15-year note, yeah. not what I could afford on a 30-year note. And so when we sold our first home, we had enough equity to double in house size. You know, okay. it just... Start small. Yes. But if you start getting in a habit of that's where your money's going every month, so if it's going to retirement... You're paying your bills. It's going to savings. You know, uh, my husband and I, we got out of law school uh, close to the same time. He was a semester ahead of me. Um, and when we got our first jobs, we one, one, one paycheck went into the savings account and one went in to the checking account. And we tried to live off of one paycheck, which... We could do it because we didn't have anything to start with. You know? <laughs> yeah. so, you know, one paycheck was more than we had when we were in school. So um, I think that's the best advice I have for, you know, a young student coming out is, one, start, look, look for jobs that offer benefits. Okay. You know, yeah. it's not about what gives you freedom or free time. You're going to want that when you start having children or you start yeah. growing your family. Your priorities will change a little bit. But get in the habit of saving for retirement, you know, not acquiring a lot of debt, you know, pay off. Don't make, make sure you don't have any credit card debts, you know, don't buy it. If you can't afford it today, don't wait, you know, just wait till you can get it. I think that's the biggest problem with this generation too, is instant gratification and the internet has ruined us. You know, um, if you can wait to have something, you'll be better off in the long run. Okay. So, um, as far as estate planning documents, you know, and some things that you'll need to think about is when you're filling out your retirement assets, you got to name a beneficiary designation. So if you're not married when you fill that out, you know, you need to think about, well, okay, who would I want to have this savings mm-hmm. that I'm building up? So who would I want to name on my beneficiary designation form? So if you don't name anybody and something happens to you, then now your family's got to go through probate because it's going to be payable to your estate. And yeah. then it's going to go based on the laws of intestate, which means you didn't have a will. And so if you're not married at the time, it would go to your parents. Um, if your parents aren't living, it would go to your siblings. Um, if your siblings weren't living, then it would go to distant. You could go to cousins and, you know, it, it kind of branches mm-hmm. off. So that's one of the things you need to be conscious of is. Okay. And then a lot of jobs will offer you some term life insurance. 
you know yeah i recommend that you get that especially if you have student loan debt you know life insurance is a great way to ensure that you don't leave that burden on somebody else okay so i always say get enough life insurance to cover your debt Okay. So if you have student loan debt, get to, you yeah. know, sign up for that life insurance policy through, you know, I know UMC has a great benefit for our UMMC employees is they have term life insurance as an employee mm-hmm. and it costs little to nothing a paycheck to get, you know, term life insurance through that. And so make sure you fill out that beneficiary designation form. You okay. Know? So that's the, so now let me ask you this. So some types of debt are not transferable, but are like school loans. I, I just, I saw something in the paper recently about that, about someone, a student that died and of course then the, the loan debt and all went to the parents. So, so loan debts like for school loans. Some it, are, okay. some aren't, some aren't, um, you know, a lot of things too with debt. Um, and, I can't speak to each one individually, right. but, you know, one thing to be conscious of on a lot of that or to tell you it's as family members or whatever, and we just want to make right and do right. But like credit card debt, I know is the worst. That's the number one that I've seen through estates where, you know, somebody passed away and those bills came in and they just didn't want them to get behind because mm-hmm. it was just their habit to make sure things were paid on time. And they wrote a check and paid that credit card bill. Well, by writing that check, you're assuming that liability. Mm. And so now they're going to, now they're saying, well, you wrote this check to us. It was on your, you know, it was in your name. We took that as you assuming that debt Mm. or that credit card debt. So now we're going to come, we're going to start calling you to collect on that person. So that's something you have to be very careful of. And student loans, I think it's a little tricky because I think parents co-sign on a lot of that. And so that's where Mm -hmm. they get you on coming after the other party, the responsible party. So, um, and I see, I I do a lot of tax returns. I see a lot of people where the parents are, they've assumed the debt. They've assumed the student loan debt or they've taken it out for the benefit of their child. And so, you know, um, they do sometimes they just forget to transfer it into their name, you know? And so that's just like with anything, any type of debt, you know, you need to make sure whose name it's in. If if you don't want to be responsible, make sure your name's not on it. So, um, but uh, the beneficiary designation forms are important to, you know, maybe cover your debt or the retirement assets. Um, and then, you know, it, you, you, if you don't haven't bought a house yet, you know, other things like that, there's really not a reason. I mean, I think everybody should have a will. Um yeah. But now as you get married and you have children, you're going to need to update that every major life event. Okay. So um, Mm. I always tell people, you know, now if I don't recommend this, but if you're getting on a plane tomorrow and you've got, you know, some assets or there's, there's something important to you that you want it to be handled a certain way, then you can do in Mississippi, you can do what's called a holographic will or a fully handwritten will. It's not witnessed by anything. It has to be completely in your handwriting. Okay. You know, the the downsides to that is if you have to probate that will for any reason, you know, you may not use legal terms or jargon Mm -hmm. that the court needs. You Mm -hmm. know, there's some Mm -hmm. terms that you may not say, or there's things you may say and you may, it may mean something to you, but not to everybody else. And we might not know what what you're talking about. So, um, I don't recommend that, but that's kind of in a pinch getting on a plane, you know, something, um, you can write one out and then go see a lawyer. But for somebody young, they would do, there's some good lawyers that would do some very reasonable fees for a very small, reasonable, you know, young upcoming professional like you. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So after this, after this break, let's talk about probate. Okay. Just a minute longer. 
So I hear our music, so we'll take a quick break, and we've got time for one or two more calls also, so we'd love to hear from you. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Take a state that's 90% white, and now refugees are on their way. Maybe Syrian refugees. In Montana, that is fueling widespread conspiracy theories. I mean, there was a lot of sentiment against those refugees. We have no way to know what you're getting. I'm Ari Shapiro. Big Sky Country wrestles with resettlement later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. morning. This is Debbie Miner. I'm here today with Natalie Hutto for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. So we're going to quickly get back into our discussion. We've been talking about finances and how to ease your mind about uh, considerations of wills and probates. So Natalie, we've mentioned probate a couple of times. And for a lot of people, that's just a fearful word. Ansley said she didn't know what probate was. <laughs> and so, so is Probate. Everybody wants to avoid probate. Is some is probate something that you should consciously try to avoid, or it, explain that to us a little bit? No. Or is pro- it anything you should even fear? No. It's it's a very simple process, and I think the legal community is grateful for it, and so are you if you have to go through it. Uh, probate is simply the legal process to transfer assets from a decedent to their heirs or beneficiaries, um, whether it's with or without a will. So if you have something just in your name, and in Mississippi, if you have assets greater than $50,000, we have what's called a small estate. Um, We have a statute for small estates that if it's less than $50,000 that we can do some other, there's some other forms or documents, legal documents that you can use to transfer those assets or liquidate assets um, with affidavits rather than going through the probate process. The probate process is a very simple legal process in which, so if you own a home greater than $50,000 and it's just in your name and you die, we cannot sell that without clearing title. So you can't sell it because they say, well, we don't know who the new owner is. You know, um, Debbie died owning a house and we don't know where it's supposed to go. And so we say, well, okay, well, Debbie had a will. We'll go through probate. It says the house is going to go to 
her husband or to her three kids or to, you know, however it is. And so we'll take, we'll take the will to, to court. We'll tell the court that this is your, this was what Debbie wanted to happen. We file it in the court records. Um, Debbie's named an executor in her will. The executor is the person that is going to help administer the estate in Mississippi. You have to have a lawyer to probate. So that eases the process. It's once you open an estate, then you file a notice to creditors, gives your creditors 90 days to respond, to file any claims, to say, you owe me money. Yeah. <laughs> After that 90 days, their claims forever barred. So if they don't file a claim, then you don't have to pay that debt of the decedent if it was an unknown creditor to you, if it's somebody they owed you didn't know about. So um, then you close an estate. The probate process may last, if you have a will, best case scenario, four to six months. You know, it's not very expensive. Um, now, it does get more, it is more expensive if you don't have a will. So if, if Debbie dies with a house worth $100,000, then, and we don't have a will, now it is going to cost a little bit more to go through the probate process because we have to go see the judge a few more times. We've got to file, um, we've got to identify who the heirs are. So we've got to do a determination of heirs. And so we have to run, um, we have to run a notice in the newspaper for any unknown heirs to attend. We have to, you know, present to the court who your next to kin are under the statute, who would these assets go to, and that's how we transfer. But, see, we have to go through the probate process in order to clear title on that home. Because that's without a will. Because it's with, mm-hmm. that's without a will mm-hmm. or with a will okay. if it's over $50,000. Okay. So, but. The probate process is not a scary thing. It's not, you know, if you have a will, it's very simple. This is who I want my stuff to go to. We ask the judge to honor that. You know, we get letters. We get all the legal documents that we need to transfer your assets. So that's the goal is we're just trying to do this to make sure that we have clear title to transfer your assets. If you die without a will and you don't go through probate and you've got this house you know, nobody can ever sell it until we clear title on it because mm-hmm. no one's going to buy a home they can't get title insurance mm-hmm. on. So um, if you've got a bank account or you've got marketable securities that you did not name a beneficiary on death, no, the bank is not going to give you that money until they know who your heirs are. They're, they've got to know who the right person is. So you might have to go through probate. If it's over $50,000, you've got to go through probate to prove to the bank or the financial institution who is supposed to get this money. They want a court document that says this is who's supposed to get it. So that's what probate is really about, is figuring out who is supposed to get your assets. Um, Now, a lot of times for married couples, if they have all their assets jointly owned... um, Go ahead real oh, quick. That, <laughs> then, our music. You may not have to go through probate on the first to die, but it's nothing to be yeah. afraid of. Um, it's not, it, you know, the the more planning you do on the front end, the more efficient probate is. So, Thank you, Natalie. That clears up a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you, Ansley, for being with us, and you'll be back with us next week. And next week we'll have with us Dr. Kimberly Ward from the UMC Face and Skin Care Center. So get your, your skin questions ready for us. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. We're funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and the generous support from members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Please join us next Monday for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health.